Hi, my name is Kerry Olson. I'm a um, youth director. My wife and I serve here. Um, follower of Jesus, lover of people, not of my own strength, but through the power and grace of God. And uh, so my, my hope and my confession is that it's his grace and his love in us. And we're going to talk about that this morning. It's really good to be here. Continue to pray for our pastor, amen. I kind of miss him this morning. I'm going to get phone calls. We're just coming out of a holiday season. It's a new year. We turn chapters. I started a new job, actually, this week. I'm pretty excited about that, too. So there's a lot of new changes right in that kind of unique area where we flip over. We got new flip calendars at our house now, you know what I'm talking about? Like we have, we have a teenage one that I like to follow. It's hilarious. It's a little bit scary about a teenage kid because I know uh, Aiden is heading in that direction. So... <laughs> We're always like, oh yeah, we've got to save that one because that's how we need to respond when he actually brings that one out. Uh, so we're, we're, just, we're having a good time. It's, it's an interesting season of time. Sometimes you th- see things like uh, in the news on making resolutions. You know, uh, maybe some of you guys for Christmas, you got like a new fitness device. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I got to get my new Fitbit. Aiden is always, I said this before, but the last time I spoke, Aiden's always like competing with me. And I tell him like, hey, my iPhone is not always in my pocket. So when it only says I have like 300 steps to your 15,000 on your Fitbit, it doesn't mean that I'm not in the competition, man. It just means my phone was sitting somewhere. I'm not carrying it around. Well, you need one. Yeah, like that. I think Reg bought me one once. I'm like, I can't have that. I just can't. I can't. You got to take that back. That's just like I would get I would get way too legalistic about it. I'd just be looking at it all the time. And then I'd start like, come on, man, you got or I got like 300 right there. (laughs) It doesn't work that way, though, does it? No, not at all. So uh, maybe for Christmas, you guys got some cool stuff. It's a great time of year to remember the incarnation of Jesus. We give gifts to one another as a reminder in, I'm always reminded, and I shared this over the last few weeks too, because every year I always think about the same thing. So we believe that God actually wrote this book. I'm laughing too. Do you guys remember this? Like, the, did you? Guys, we were. My Bible's like falling apart at this point in time. It's like coming unglued. I think if I were to throw it against the wall, it would probably stick. So I was like, Hey, Reg, can you like? Do you remember like when we were in grade school and stuff, and we used to take brown paper bags and cover our our uh, books with our textbooks with like brown paper bags. So that's kind of what happened here. I remember this one pastor once he stood, he stood up and he had like rubber bands holding his Bible together and he pulled it all off and he's like, my Bible's falling apart, but let me tell you something. If your Bible's falling apart, your life probably isn't right. And I was like, Whoa, I'm like, I can always remember that. Don't know what he spoke about the rest of the time. Cause it was like the whole sermon was like, just right there. I'm like, I need to keep, I need to keep working my Bible out so it's falling. Now i got to actually connect with the Word. So we believe that the Holy Spirit actually wrote the Scriptures through people, that He used regular, human, ordinary individuals, and that He filled the sails of their soul with the very Word of God, and then scripted texts, and that we have accurate copies of them in English now that, that have actually sustained the test of time and history, and we believe God wrote it. In fact, if he did write it, wouldn't it, it's pretty logical to say if God wrote a book, he's going to keep it, right? Even if people in the world try and destroy it, and humanity has tried to do that. And in the Bible, in, in the scriptures, actually, the Holy Spirit, who wrote the text from God through people, when he's trying to explain Jesus 
to us, he himself actually says, thanks be to God. You need to be grateful, humans, for his indescribable gift. So here's deity, the Holy Spirit, who has all of the vocabulary of every language of all time and all history trying to explain how great the gift of God is, and he chooses to use the word indescribable. I'm just saying, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Like when God himself looks at the Son of God and then says to humanity around all of the world for all time, my Son is indescribable when it comes to the gift that I'm bringing to you. That's pretty incredible. That's an amazing, amazing gift. And, when, and, and if we begin to come up to the, the threshold of the Grand Canyon of that truth, we begin to comprehend a little bit more about what like Christmas season is about and about loving one another and about giving. In fact, uh, when you think about this too, you know how, it, how we say stuff like it's greater to give than it is to receive? And I don't know about you, but some of the greatest moments in our lives, in in my life, experientially, some of the, the most beautiful, the most peaceful, the most incredible, the most breathtaking, the the moments of time when you're like, I wish I could bottle this up and just stay in this second right now actually are the moments when we brush up against greatness and we become less self-aware. We be, you understand what I'm talking about? Like when you brush up against something great, you begin to forget about you. You, forget, you begin to forget about who you are. You begin to forget in comparison with the greatness of everything around you, you actually lose yourself. And in that minute, I think, or in that moment when that happens, the glorious truth of peace and beauty that usually is what's inspiring that moment in time begins to overflow us to where we are nothing and the glorious thing next to us is everything and there we find joy. And I'm telling you, even if we see that in the birth of a child or in, um, or in something great that we see, like the Grand Canyon when you stand up next to it, or in space or the world or family or any of those things, all of those things are reminders of the greatness of the indescribable gift that God has made in giving himself to us so that somewhere in the process and I'm going to summarize everything. This is actually a summary of the sermon. Somewhere in the process is that when we rub up against the greatness of God, the real ability of the church to do missions, the real ability of us as individuals and us as the Alliance Bible Church and us as the church of Jesus Christ around the world is for us to connect up with the beauty and glory and greatness of our God, and in self-forgetfulness, we stand there in awe and in worship, and His love, without us even realizing it, flows through us into the world in exceptional ways, and even people who don't know God brush up against the greatness. And they're like, whoa, something is going on here, and one of two things is going to happen. One, 
they're going to run for the hills. They're going to be like, I need to get out of here right now. My life is in danger. Or they're going to say, I need to know more about this. And they're going to be drawn into a relationship with him. And by the way, that's happened with you probably. You can, I've just explained your story if you've met Christ. And it happens every day with us. Every single day, the grace of God needs to be extended. Again, we need to brush up against his greatness. The beautiful thing is that the indescribable gift isn't just something that happened in the past. It's a gift for us right now. And then it's another gift for us right now. And then it's another gift for us again right now. And it's the same glorious, incredible, limitless power, love, mercy, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, and arms every single moment. Whether we find ourselves on the top of a pinnacle of a, of a spiritual breaking to which that we're like, wow, God, you're doing something great. Or whether we're right down in the ditch again, having stumbled and fallen, and we're sitting there in the muck and mud. It doesn't change his love for you and me. It's the same. It's the same regardless. And that's what we're going to be talking about. The reality of it is, is that the Bible paints a picture of humanity that we don't always like. That's why we, we run sometimes, actually, because we don't like looking in a mirror. We don't like always looking in a mirror. And the Bible paints a picture that we have a problem with our heart. We have a problem with our heart. The other night, Reg made spaghetti. I, I actually think spaghetti night is funny. Uh, with our daughter, who's two. And uh, it's also very frustrating. Um, I find myself in trouble a lot because I, I'm like one of those, I don't know if you guys have this family, but I grew up in a family that when things went wrong or, or if people got hurt, like not severely, we would laugh about it. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I still have that kind of, I don't know if you have family members like that. You know, you fall down and you're like, oh, that's funny. You know, my sister was terrible. So I have a real hard time when Kate is misbehaving of keeping my composure when I think it's just as hilarious as I'll get out to see like a little 15-pound kid trying to control the entire universe with the force of the nature of her soul. I just, I just get the kick out of it. It's just like, I'm going to do it. So the other day, she got her noodles early, right? So Reg, like, made her noodles. And I was, I was actually kind of praising God a little bit because this time Reg decided not to do sauce. Because if it's spaghetti night, I can guarantee you that as soon as dinner is over, I usually don't even have time to clean the dishes. I'm heading right towards the tub is where we're heading. That's we're going, we're going right towards the tub. She, Kate is not anything like Aiden. Like Aiden, he didn't even like to get his fingers dirty. He was one of those kids when he was little, when we gave him his first birthday cake, you know, he like touched it and he's like, there's something on me, mom, mom, there's something on me. Kate's not like that at all, right? So Reg didn't even like get the plates together for the family and Kate's got a bowl of food. And she's like grabbing the noodles and she's looking at me with hands of noodles and they're all covered in butter and sauce and stuff, like white sauce. And she's like squishing them and she's making an angry face. She's like... I'm like, oh. And of course now, what am I doing, right? Am I... Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's exactly right. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I want to see how this is going to evolve. 
Unfortunately, I have a degree of a lack of self-awareness when it comes to my relationship with my wife. (laughs) This actually spills over into my relationship with God sometimes, too. And so what I think is funny turns out to be difficult in our marital life because when she shows up and sees what's going on, and now Kate's got two hands of noodles, and they're like squishing out, and they're falling on her clothes and on the floor, and, uh, and she's like... What are you doing? She's just talking to me, not to the the baby. I'm just like, well, look at what's going on. It's hilarious. So meanwhile, while I'm like trying to have, we're trying to have this conversation like horizontally, Kate like has both noodles and they're, they're like, they're, they're falling on her and they're coming out of her hands. And then she just puts her whole face right in the bowl. She's just like, bam. And then she starts sucking the noodles, you know, she's like, So this is a, this is like one of those moments in time, you know, where like I'm I'm just dying because I think it's hilarious. Right? Just just like, what are you? Why are you allowing this child to do this? And I am, and I'm just like, and, that, and so she, so Reg begins to direct her attention towards Kate, and uh, so she gets Kate's attention. Kate pulls her her uh, face out of the bowl. Now she's got noodles in her hair, and this is why it's always bath time on spaghetti night, right? And she's got noodles in her hair, and they're, like, stuck on her face and everything. And Red is like, what are you doing, child? Why are you doing that? And, and Kate looks at her, and she's got her hands full of noodles still, and she looks at her, and she makes angry eyebrows. She's like, Red is like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. She's like, I got the noodles. You can't stop me. I can... <laughs> Kids are great illustrations for biblical truth, aren't they? You know what I'm talking about? So, so uh, what I was saying in the beginning was that our hearts are messed up. Even little kids have, like, messed up our problems, right? Like, even from a young age, she's just so defiant. The reality of it is she knows that what she was doing was wrong. She actually knew it. When she looked at mom and was like, no, I will do what I want to do. So Aiden, again, when he was little, all you had to do was be like, and he'd be like, no, mama. This one's just like, Kate, don't do it. And she's just like, okay. (laughs) And so uh, some kids just seem to, this is why we have a problem with saying that all of our children are like, illustrations of depravity because some of them really are kind of tender and and uh not as like defiant as other ones but our hearts have problems in jeremiah it says that the heart is deceitful above all things who can know it the problem with deceit is that we can't always recognize it right that's the power of deceit the power of deceit is that we don't believe we're being deceived when we really are being deceived isn't that messed up it's like some weird like messed up sort of a thing our hearts are deceitful Above all things, who could know it? Uh, Jesus, actually quoting from the Old Testament, said that that human beings from time to time confess their beauty and love of God, but God said, you say that with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You say that with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And then Jesus also talking about our hearts, and this one comes up a lot, actually, we were talking about this last Friday in our youth group discussion. Uh, he actually says that the things that come out of our mouth actually are connected to our heart. And so, so sometimes, like, if, and if, you, if you take, like, an audio recorder 
and you were to record your conversation for like the last 48 hours, what is it that you're talking about the most? That's what your heart's being filled up with, right? And uh, Jesus actually goes a little bit farther and actually begins to talk about what's really going on because sometimes we don't believe due to the deceit about how messed up we are. And he actually says that um, the things that come out of our heart is what defile us. Actually, I love that verse. There's a verse in, in Mark because that's the verse that lets me eat bacon. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the, you, know, you know the verse? I, like I, I go all these verses. But the verse that lets you eat bacon is the one where Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man. This is also one of the verses, because I know all the verses in the Bible pretty much where, Jesus, where God talks about poop. And, uh, and so um, he actually says it goes into the man, and then it goes into his stomach, and then it is eliminated. So Jesus talked about poop. Because I actually think that poop was a result of the fall, in my opinion. I think, I think Adam's, this is just all uh, fiction, but fictional theory. But, so I actually think that, uh, that the food was perfect and Adam and Eve's body was perfect. So they turned it all into energy. You know what I'm saying? So when God cursed them, they were like, hey, something happened. You want to talk? That's, I, I, that's my take, because it's not, all, it's, not, it's not right, you know what I mean? There's, a, there's something not right about it. It's like mosquitoes sucking blood or ticks. We know that there's something wrong with the waste system. We, there's something wrong with it. Does Jesus have a toilet in heaven? I don't know. I don't believe so. I think he's eating perfect food with perfect translation into perfect energy. That's my take. We'll find out, though, you and me, because we're going to be raised from the dead, and we'll have perfect bodies, too. And then we'll have a conversation about whether or not our digestive system, as it, as it currently is in the fall, is necessary, 100%. But out of the heart comes evil things. Sorry. Sorry. For that. Out of the heart, I actually think we should redeem natural stuff, because Jesus uses natural things, for spiritual purposes. That's my take. Spiritual purposes. So that stuff's kind of fun in games, but what happens when real tragedy strikes in our bodies, right? Are we ready? Are we, are we clinging to him in such a way? We need to be there in the normalcy, in the normal day and day, so that when the tragedy comes, we're just as much to cling to him in that moment. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and slanders. I'm saying that comes out of my heart. That comes out of your heart, comes out of my heart, and so we have a heart problem. Kate's got a heart problem. She needs to meet with Jesus. And God has made us a promise. And this promise is a promise that he made, and he's made it from the very beginning, actually, all the way back in Genesis when, when the curse came in, and he was like, look it, all right. You guys did what I told you that you weren't supposed to do, so I need to gather all three of you. Serpent, get over here. Uh, Adam and Eve, get over here, okay? So I'm going to start doling out the, the punishments. And, um, and so he did actually dole out some punishments. So... Man had to work from the ground. We were going to die now, physically die. We weren't going to be able to eat from the tree of life. By the way, that's going to be coming again. We will be able to eat from the tree of life. They'll bear fruit like every month. So I don't actually believe that. I think we'll still be in a time-space continuum, by the way. I don't think we'll measure it in lifetimes, but there'll be seasons. You know, like every, When the Bible says that it's bearing fruit every month, that means there'll be months. There's going to be months. And how are months determined? Like through creation, I'm just saying. So uh, they, they, God actually says that he's going to do something for mankind in the curse. He's like, okay, you guys, 
he, he doles out all these things. Now there's pain in childbirth. So it makes you wonder, too, what would it have been like to have babies without the fall? You know what I'm saying? No pain having children without pain, I guess. Um, Eve never had a chance to actually experience that, but the curse actually came in. And even from the very beginning, then he said to the serpent, <clears throat> I'm going to put hatred between you, Satan, and the seed of the woman. And you're going you're gonna to try and kill him, and you're going to bruise him on the heel, but he's going to crush you on the head. And he's going to, he's going to turn everything that you've uh, tempted mankind to do, trying to destroy my love relationship with my creation, that seed is going to turn around and it's going to destroy you. And on top of that, in the end, I'm going to come out with a better creation than what I had in the very beginning. That's my take. I actually think the resurrection is going to be better than the garden. I don't think the resurrection is going to be coming back to the garden. I think it's going to be better than the garden. I think he's going to turn the work of Satan around and it's going to be better because there's no marriage in heaven, right? But in the garden, there was marriage. In, in the new heaven, in the new earth, we're relating as the bride of Christ to God and he makes his dwelling place among us. We're like in the hood with him now, okay? It's not him coming and visiting in the evenings it's him with us forever, and the gates of the city are open day and night. And he is the sun. This is not what it was like in the beginning. This is something different that he's bringing to pass that, again, the Holy Spirit would say, I can't even put into words to describe to you what it's like, but I'm going to try my best by the Holy Spirit to do it. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I can't really tell you what it's going to be like, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Okay? So we have a lot to look forward to in the suffering that takes place here on this world. That's why we need to gather and do this stuff. So in the book of Hebrews, which is actually a quote out of Jeremiah, you can turn to either one if you want to, Hebrews 8, 7, or Jeremiah 31, 31. They're both the same. God actually, through Jeremiah, <clears throat> just like he did in the garden, began to prophesy through the prophet to human beings, through Jewish prophets, to mankind to tell him what I am going to do for you, how I'm going to wrap up the indescribable gift and deal with your heart disease that's preventing you from loving me. That's what he's really after, okay? And this is what he says through Jeremiah. Behold, days are coming says the Lord. This is the covenant-keeping God who delivered the Israelites out of Egypt and said, this is my name. I'm going to deliver you and you will praise my name for my deliverance. You will praise my name for all generations. You will talk about this as an opportunity to remind you so that when my son comes, they'll get the full picture that this is only just in part the lamb on the lintel and the doorposts and communion. The fulfillment is here. The days are coming when I will effect a new covenant, a new promise, there's a table, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers, through Moses, right? On the day when I took them out of the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. That covenant actually said, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, and I'm going to do this. It was, a, it was an agreement, right? 
It was like a two-sided agreement. You got to do this, I do this. You keep the Sabbath, I do this. You keep the, you keep the year of Jubilee, and I do this. You trust in me, you follow me, I defeat all of your enemies. You don't, you go into slavery. And they did. I'm going to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. I'm going to make a new one. After those days, says the Lord, I'm going to take that heart that's filled with all of those wickednesses, with that heart that's actually filled with evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and fornications and thefts and false witness and slanders. I'm going to take their heart and I'm going to write my laws upon their minds. I'm going to write my laws upon their hearts and then I will be their God and they will be my people. And they won't have to teach everybody, hey, you need to know the Lord, Holly. You need to know Him. I don't have to do that any longer. Why? Because in the New Covenant, I'm saying... They shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen, everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me from the least until the very greatest of them, for I will be merciful to them, and I will forgive their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And he did all of this in such a way where Satan can't go to him and say, You are so unjust. You are a wicked and evil judge letting them off the hook like that with all of the murder and strife and the jealousies and all the things that are in their heart. He figured out a way to take care of this. In Hebrews chapter 10, he repeats the same thing uh, from <clears throat> Hebrews 8, 10, and 12 in, in verses 16 to 18. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws upon their heart and on their mind I will write them. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So instead of writing the Ten Commandments on stone with Moses up on a hill, God's like, forget that. I'm going to go further than that. I'm going to grab the hearts of all of my followers and I'm going to take my law. And what's the, what's the greatest commandments? What are they? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And what's the second, which is like it? Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the Ten Commandments can be summed up, Jesus said, in those two, right? So God says, forget this tablet of stone and putting it into a golden ark and keeping it in a tent and then killing animals around it. I'm going to invade people. I like, I, I like to talk about this too. I had this guy that I worked with who, he was a conspiracy like theory person. Not, I'm not... Like, I'm not making fun of you if that is, like, what you like and stuff like that. I'm, I'm all cool with that. In fact, I like to watch the History Channel. You know, sometimes they're like, are there aliens among us? And I'm all like that. So he was like, well, I believe in aliens. And I'm like, well, I believe in aliens. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I believe in aliens. He's like, and I know he was, so he worked with us for a little bit. And he was, you believe in aliens? I'm like, yeah. I think he was, like, felt like he was in, like, just a little club of alien believers. And... <laughs> I'm like, no, I believe in aliens. In fact, I've met an alien. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking, I mean, the whole thing. Clouds, smoke, lightning, wheels within wheels, peals of thunder, 
Someone who came down from above and then actually overcame death after, after people tried to kill him. Like he wasn't like a weak alien that they buried over in Area 51. And then he was sucked back up into a spaceship. And he was literally like, what? And of course I'm like, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Although he's not really an alien, is he? I mean, he's an alien, but he's not an alien. He's like a, he's a human, but he's, he's like, I am from above and you are from below. But I'm going to make you like me. I'm going to bring you out of the alien land of sin and into the glorious domain of my, of my father. That's what, I'm, that's what he's about doing. But so I, I like creative, creative evangelism works really good from time to time. And yeah, he, I, I don't know if he ever became a believer, but um, we can have conversations like that. So he sends his son into the world to forgive us of our sins. In Jeremiah verse 32, or chapter 32, verse 38, this is what he says. These people are God, again. These people will be my people and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me always. Listen, listen, listen. Do you want to fear the Lord? Do you want to be a worshiper of the King? Are you making like a New Year's resolution to be like, I want to get my walk with the Lord down better, man. It's just, I'm not as close as I want to be with Him. According to Jeremiah and according to Hebrews, the way to do that is not to work at it. The way to do that is to stand in awe of the indescribable gift. I will give them one heart, one way, that they may fear me always for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good, and I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me. Did you hear that? I'm going to read that again. I will put the fear of me into the hearts of my followers so that they will not turn away from me. That's incredible. That's, that's awesome. So A.W. Tozer wrote this book which if you like to read, I say read the Bible, but um, if you want to read an encouraging book, he wrote a book called um, The Divine Conquest. The way that I actually talk about some of the things that he talks about in The Divine Conquest is that I'm a, I like sci- science fiction and fantasy reading and stuff like that. So I just like doing that kind of stuff. I love stories because they remind me of the story. And I like, I, I'm, I'm terrible to go to a movie with because I'm always just like, oh, yeah, the philosophy behind it, this, that, and the other thing. And uh, so we're doing this. And, and um, he, so the way that I tell the, our, our uh, young people is that it's an alien invasion. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we can't love God on our own. We can't keep the commands on our own. We can't do it. We needed something else to do it. And God tried to give us laws on stone, and we failed. And he's like, I'm going to fix that by coming, and I'm going to invade Tom. I'm going to take him over from the inside out, and I'm going to possess him. You know what I'm talking about? Like a lot of times we think about possession. We're always, 
we think about the horror movies and everything. That was a big conversation at Youth Group last week because one of the kids has a friend that's into Wicca. So we had some conversation about witchcraft. And uh, so we always focus in on uh, possession from the standpoint of, um, you know, like from its negative standpoints or the horror movies that we make or this is scary and this is scary. But in the Bible, it says what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let him control you. Here's, here's something, though, that took me a little bit to get the hang of. Because I was just like, well, Lord, if you're going to give me the gift of tongues, am I just going to be like in the grocery store one day and then I'm just walking down looking at my Wheaties and then all of a sudden I'm just like, <laughs> and, and you know what I'm saying? Is that, what, is that what's going to happen? Because that's kind of scary. That's a little bit scary to me that you would do that. But the Bible in the list of the fruit of the Spirit says that the Holy Spirit brings us what? Self-control. He brings us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. So like the filling of the Spirit is not one of like weird, like I am no longer present. It is just the Lord. Although some, some people, I, I, hear, I hear that Spurgeon used to do that, you know. They'd knock on his door and he'd answer the door and they're like, yeah, is Mr. Spurgeon there? And he's like, no, it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. Jesus is the only person here. And he gets that out of what? Galatians, right? It is no longer I who what? It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith. It is no longer I. What does he say in there? When I brush up against the indescribable gift of God, in the covenant of God, when God invades Ron and writes his laws on his heart, and the greatest law is for Ron to love the Lord, and the second greatest is to love people around him, God is saying, I'm going to invade humanity in such a way where my love will be uncontrollable, unquenchable, unstoppable, incredible fury of flame that's going to go around the entire world and encompass people. And people will do one of two things, and you will too this morning. You will either run to it and be embraced in it and stand in awe of it and come to the altar and bow down before Him and worship Him for His great and incredible and indescribable love for you personally and for your family and for the world. And you will learn to love Him and to walk in His ways and to bow before Him and to give yourself to Him and to the mission of love that He has put His church on the earth to complete until that day that Jesus returns. That's how He's doing it by an invasion of our lives through the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. I will give them one heart to know me, for I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. I will put a new spirit within them. I will take out their heart of stone, and I will give them a new heart that they might walk in my statutes to love me and to love others, to keep my ordinance and to do them. They will be my people and I will be their God. I will sprinkle them with clean water. I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness. I will remove your idols from you. Moreover, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a new heart. I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my ways. So, Christian, is it you 
that deepens your relationship with God? Or is it Him in you and you doing nothing but resting? Brush up against the greatness of the truth and come to the place where you forget who you are and He becomes all in all. Last verse. This is actually probably one of my absolute favorite verses. I'm not like a big theme person, and sometimes the kids are like, Carrie, you say that about every verse. It's like your favorite verse. How can you have so many favorite verses? I'm like, but it's just so good. And it's in Deuteronomy, believe it or not. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. This is like a summary of truth in such an incredible way. And every time I get freaky, because I do, um, and, and what I mean by that is like I forget the greatness of God sometimes, or, or I, get, I get caught up in the thorns of, the, of this life, you know what I'm talking about? Like the thorns that grow up around and try and prevent us from being fruitful. And, and it comes, and then all of a sudden there's a fog, and I'm like, okay, I'm not seeing things right. I'm not, I'm not seeing things right. And, uh, and then sometimes my faith grows weak, and I'm like, Lord, I need you to help me. And this is one of my pillar verses that I go back to, and I'm like, Lord, I'm asking you. I'm reminding you. I'm reminding me. I don't need to remind you, but I'm reminding me of your promise, your incredible, amazing power wrapped up in the New Testament, you can read all of those, and it's all wrapped up in this one little verse in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, in the law, in the second law, like hidden in, the, in this book that is like probably one of the lower read books in the Bible as far as like doing our Bible reading, unless you're actually, and there's this beautiful truth, Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. Moreover, the Lord is going to come and will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul so that you might live. So what I get out of that, and the New Testament actually propagates this too, is that the Lord in his indescribable gift, because of his love for me, even though I do not deserve it, because of his mercies that are new every single morning, that he actually, when I wasn't looking, because of his magnificent love, Jeremiah said that he lavishes his love on us, he actually cut out my disobedient, spaghetti-grabbing, in-your-face heart that would never follow him. And he gave me one that's filled with love for him. And now I can't escape it but that it comes from the inside out. It's not something that's taught. Somehow, the Trinitarian love, the love between the Father and the Son as communicated in the power of the Spirit, He actually has shared that with us. Not just with Moses, not just with a few, but with everyone who will come to the altar and ask. He will give this to you, a free gift. We have much to celebrate, much to sing about, much to praise. Now I say, if you're looking for resolutions, 
the resolution for this year is just to stand fast and cling to these promises and let him do what he does best. You will experience the love of God from the Son to the Father. And it is his love, but it is also yours for him. He makes us one, like it says in John 17. And so thus we can't almost tell, is this mine or is this yours? And he says, don't worry about that. Just stand there in the awe of it and let it flow from me through you to the world. Father, we want to be world changers. And when I say that, we're open to transformational power in a way that, that creates a quake through the entire earth and the universe. But we also want to be people that are lovers in the little things, in the spaghetti dinners, in our relationships with our husbands and with our wives and with our children and with our co-workers and with the world. We want to see you and thus in the scene relate not only with you but with those around us in a way that brings glory and honor to you and we confess that we cannot do that lord on our own but your promises that we've just sung about are so magnificent and great make them a reality in our lives today right now and again right now and again right now until that day when we see you face to face in jesus name and all god's people said Amen.